Hi, I'm Sana Siddiqui from the Web Committee of Respiratory Structure and Function Assembly, and I'd like to introduce you to a series of podcasts we're launching on how migration shapes our research careers. And in this case, with our guest today, Dr. Louise Organ, it's geographical migration. So Louise, welcome to our podcast series, and thanks for making time to talk to us today. Louise is um, currently at the University of Nottingham, um, and she's a respire Mary Curie Research Fellow. And um, I'll start by asking you if you can expand a bit on your current role. Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, I um, am currently working at the University of Nottingham, and uh, six months ago I was fortunate enough to receive a Mary Curie Fellowship, which is uh, in collaboration with Respire, which is an initiative um, through the European Respiratory Society to help, uh, I guess, broaden and allow these sort of, like you said, migrations and international collaborations to start to build. So the idea of the Respire Fellowship is that it's a two-year fellowship to support uh, someone moving to a lab internationally uh, to sort of gain some further knowledge and experience to then bring home to their, their original country should they desire and, and sort of build their niche then back home from what they've learned overseas and sort of start to move science around different parts of the world. Yeah, so I've, I've been working in this position for six, six months now um, and it's two years total. That's great. At what point in your research career had you decided that you wanted to apply for this? Was it during your PhD? Yeah, so when I was coming up to my last year of my PhD, I was really thinking about my career opportunities and what I wanted to do. And I, I spoke to a lot of people who had, were in various positions in either industry or postdoctorate and, and asked for advice. And one of the resounding things that people often said was moving to an international lab will be a really amazing experience because you, you get your opportunities to broaden your, your sort of skills and niche. And particularly from someone in Australia where we're um, quite isolated in the research world, uh, from what else is going on, you know, it seemed like a great opportunity. So I decided within to do this in my uh, last year of my PhD and started, I guess, investigating into where my potential options were. So um, just taking a step back, can you just sort of walk us through your undergrad and graduate school history? So uh, from my understanding, you did it all, was it in Melbourne? Yeah. I was going to say, I, I never actually had planned to do a research career. Um, my undergraduate um, was all aimed towards doing veterinary science. Um, okay. And it's, it's a tough course to get in, like med and, and vet, vet school are very competitive um, and, and quite difficult. So I think I got into the last year of my undergraduate and said, okay, what are my other options? What am I interested in? And um, in Australia, um, you 
can choose to do a year, an honours year in, in when you do a Bachelor of Science. And that means you would do like a mini PhD for a year right. after your undergraduate. So you 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 go out and you, you look for potential projects that are sort of listed by supervisors and um, you would do your project for a year where you, you do your whole thesis, dissertation, um, learn statistics, sort of sort of like, like I said, it's like a mini PhD basically crammed into a year. My honours project, um, still with the mind of trying to get into vets, but, but opening up other doors. So my honours project was um, looking at chronic asthma and um, changes in airway remodeling. And I, I enjoyed the challenge and I enjoyed the independence um, that came with research. Um, I've always been very self-driven and self-motivated, and that's, I, I decided not to apply for vet anymore. And um, after my year of honours, I decided to stay on with my supervisor and embark on the PhD. So my PhD was then focused on, um, we switched diseases to pulmonary fibrosis. So, so let me just um, interject here and just ask you, so this fellowship that you have, could you have taken it up at any other university or is it specific to the UK or is it specific to Europe? No, or? no. so it, it is specific to Europe. Um, as I said, it, it, it's uh, uh, co-funded um, through um, Horizon 2020, which is a European initiative to for research um, and the European Respiratory Society. Now, you can be applying for any country in the world, um, but the lab right. that you would be proposing to move to would, would be within Europe. And so I guess I've kind of gotten in at a, a lucky time where the UK is still technically part of Europe. Right. So I guess the question that I have um, is slightly now um, more geared towards considerations you probably have to make as you were making this move. Besides the opportunity that it provided, was there any other attraction like um, to moving to the UK specifically? Was it the research that drew you primarily or you know, was it the location or the combination of both? Yeah, there's, there's a combination of both. So I think when I was deciding that I wanted to do an international fellowship, um, you know, there were a few countries on the table like the US, Canada, UK. And I, yes. with most of these things, it's like knowing who are your connections. So, you know, if you've been fortunate enough during your PhD to, to go to conferences and meet people, who, who are the connections that you know um, within lab groups? And, and what, and I think you've also got to ask yourself, like, what am I, you know, you're moving your whole life overseas. What other things do I want in the country? The research is great, but it's not enough. You're, you're moving your whole life over there. And so right. that also played into it. So, um, you know, we, like, I, I really enjoyed travel, and my, um, both my, my fiancé and I both do. And for us, wanting, being somewhere that was enabled that, like, good travel around, like, Europe and stuff like that, and 
the UK offered that. So I first had um, some really good connections um, with potential labs within the UK. And then I was also fortunate enough to have the opportunity to uh, visit these labs prior to making my choice. So um, I had gone to a conference and traveled to these places you know, and like I said, thought about the other lifestyle things that were beyond the, the lab. So not only visiting the lab and going, you know, what do I actually think about this group? Um, what do I think about this town, this country? Does it feel right. right? And that was something that someone else who had done a similar type shift overseas had said, you'll, you'll know, it will feel, it will feel right. Like if, if you're not liking the town, if you're not, it, it, it won't work you know, a random question, but were there any pets involved in the move? Like, um, was there any of that since you're moving so far away? Kind of. Were, <laughs> they were? Oh, that's so funny because I, well, I didn't know if you would think to that. Um, so, um, so was that, just, I mean, you know, these are things that, um, uh, you know, uh, especially with the distance, uh, was it a pain to, to figure all of that out or was it um, pretty easy? Yeah, I mean, so... There's, there's so many things that come into when you move overseas. You need to apply and get a visa usually to, to move and, and work, um, right. which is that's a big cost investment. Like it's, most visas are pretty expensive. Um, right. And then you think about the logistics of, you know, your furniture and stuff. Like do you bring that over? So basically we, we didn't have huge amounts of things and, decided just to get rid of it, which was also more difficult than we thought. Um, and then we just rebuy stuff when we moved over here. Again, that's a cost investment. And we had a pet bird, which fortunately my parents have decided to adopt. But for us, you know, we, we don't have kids um, or anything like that. So it's certainly a much easier process because there's, there's less people involved. But yeah, I mean that that's definitely part of it is like when you move and you're deciding what to bring with you. You know, like we we pretty much stripped down to bare minimal and just decided to restart and that can be really hard. So, in terms of the um uh culture of work um in Melbourne compared to here in Nottingham, are there any striking differences? I'm sure there are many similarities, but is there is there something that struck you as, you know, um, culturally quite different in work ethic or just the environment um, in approaching science or opportunities that are available as an international person doing research in the UK presently? Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of things. I mean, and this is one of the things that's, that's attractive about being here is that because you're you're in the UK where it's a bigger so density, you're close to Europe, we have a lot more opportunity to to collaborate internationally. Right. Um, and you also have... Australia is a unique country in that we are so isolated and, and being here has really highlighted that where... There are just so many more research groups nearby here um, that you can work with. Um, but also, you know, you have, I think, um, there's more of, I find, um, uh, industry connection with research within 
universities here, which we just don't really have the means for in Australia. So, right. you know, in Australia, a, a town of this size of Nottingham would never support the sort of research um, and industry connections that we have just because it, it, it's all in the big cities. It's all in Melbourne, it's all in Sydney. Um, so you have the opportunity to live somewhere that's maybe um, a bit quieter. I mean, um, you know, Nottingham is, is, is big enough, but it's certainly nowhere near like a, a big city like Melbourne. And that's actually quite nice. Uh, most of the, most of the like uh, work styles and culture things have have been very adaptable. I mean, there's certainly no language barriers or anything like that moving to the UK. But with any with any uh, country, I think you find um, people have different personalities. So Australians tend to have quite a different um, personality and a, an approach to British people. Um, Australians, are, I think, we're a bit more um, upfront. We say what's on our mind, and sometimes it can be. I find it frustrating working um, where I do because uh, it, it's harder to uh, communicate things. It's, people, people tend to be much more reserved or, or don't want to upset anyone, so we just won't talk about it, and that can be very frustrating. <laughs> Going from somewhere where people are very much more open, I think. So, um, so that's an interesting point you raise. And do you think that um, the, that communication style gets in the way because science is, um, you know, is a realm where sometimes you do have to say it how it is. Everyone's clear on the same page. Is it, uh, especially I guess when you're at conferences and stuff, more than one-on-one -on -one basis? Do you find that that really gets in the way, or is it just sort of a you know, something you just sort of learn to adapt to and then move forward? I'm still currently in the process of, like, trying to figure out how to work with this because you can't, you can't change it. So you've always got to, you know, it, it, it is the way it is. So I think you've always got to learn, well, how do I work with this and not against that? And I'm, I'm still sort of in that process. You know, I, I think uh, I've never seen it as, like, a problem when we're, we're at, conferences or whatnot, but I do sometimes feel like it holds us back from progressing more. Things remain a problem for longer than they should. So just coming back to your move again overall, um, so this is something that you had wanted to do, you mentioned, um, but if you were to do it again or if you were to move before moving back to Australia, if you were to move again somewhere else, you know, what, what advice would you give others who are considering it? And do you think, I mean, it's, it's, it's recommended for researchers, like you, you also alluded to earlier, to move, you know, to, to different training institutions during their training phase. Is there any advice that you would have? Would you have done something differently? You know, I was very fortunate to move over with my partner. So that that is one thing that really helped I think because you're both going through it together but right. you know if if you have the opportunity to visit and see where you're potentially moving your whole life to beforehand I think that really helps because it 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 will help you feel like you're making the right choice because it's it's always a tough decision and it will, you know, you you will probably question it sometimes, but 
but seeing and, and experiencing it before you made that final choice for me really helped sort of make me feel comfortable with what I was doing. And I think, I mean, some other things, I don't know. I mean, I think, you you know, it's, it's also really important to make sure you feel like you've got, um, like your finances definitely need to be in check because, you know, for us moving over here, things that we didn't anticipate would be difficult were like opening a bank account and and things like that. So there are often like a lot of little hurdles that you haven't had the chance to think about and you won't get the chance to think about until you're over there. You know, I think for us it was it was definitely easier moving over with less things than trying to ship everything over. But if you were in a position where, for example, you were your work was sponsoring and paying for that move, it would certainly make things easy because you come in sort of feeling a bit more set up because I felt very unsettled for a long time trying to rebuild back up. If that's financially viable, I think that would help. Right. So you actually make reference to quite a few things that we often don't think about when we're moving but overall, um, from the sounds of it, and, and I think you kind of knew that getting into it, that this would help, um, you know, how your science develops and just your exposure. So let's talk a bit about science aspects of this. You did mention that, you know, you, you had a couple labs in mind before you moved. But what would you say is a positive takeaway um, for your career um, by moving to not for me, the biggest thing at this stage is actually I'm, I really appreciate the fact that here I have this more opportunity to be involved with, with more projects and particularly with industry-based projects as well because that's something I feel very strongly about is sort of um, that end point for the patient and, and actually translating our scientific findings into something meaningful for the patient and being in this group because like I said you sort of have um, over here more industry connection and collaboration um, opportunities being able to be involved in that and um, has, has been I think really beneficial for me but also there's you know uh, the other thing is I find here I get the opportunity to present and and meet and, and sort of build my network more than I did in Australia. We we had very limited conferences or seminars um, due to the geographical issues and uh, I think I guess our density. But here I there's very regular and so many more opportunities to make that that presentation and again that's an area that I'm quite passionate about and in making sure we're actually communicating our science effectively like it's all well and good to to do the work but if we're not communicating it and building our networks I don't it doesn't necessarily have meaning so you know I'm I think that's the best thing that I'm getting so so do you feel that a lot of the work you're doing because a lot of the projects we do get involved with take time to wrap up when you do go back or do leave after the two years, you know, like you said, it's building on your network, but do you think these could be ongoing collaborations even once you're back with industry specifically? 
within academia is pretty normal with industries. Do you think not being in the same location um, will influence that? Yeah, I think it would. I think that's something that I really have to consider. I think here there's a lot of, um, you know, connection with industry within university groups at the moment. And, you know, I think we're starting to see that a bit in Australia, but nowhere nowhere near as much as I think you see um, over here where there's a, a really solid relationship between an academic institute and an industry sort of partnership to, to do the best work that we can. Um, so I think I, I'm sort of unsure about what my next move would be at this point for the fellowship, whether I'd actually try and stay on a bit longer here to to sort of build myself up a bit more before moving back, just whilst I have the opportunity. Yeah, no, I think that that's that's good. Um, it, you know, and, and the fact that you make reference to the fact where it, you know there's still quite a bit unknown. I, I do think that that does come with the territory, um, and sometimes the projects dictate some of that as well. The science always goes on its own speed depending on the project or projects for that matter. That's great. Thank you so much. And are there any last final comments you'd like to leave with our audience on the topic? I mean, I I think we covered your journey from Australia to the UK and what intention this fellowship has um, where you can gain experience and expertise and then potentially take it back to the home country. And as you said that, you know, there's still room for making a decision, whatever is in the best interest for you as a next step. But are there any last comments you'd like to give the audience on that note? I think, my last, I think I'd like to just like give a last piece of advice to anyone who's thinking about it. And I, when I was sort of thinking about it, I was very nervous. And then when we moved over here, I was also questioning myself, was I... You know, I, I have a particularly difficult project and there were, I was sort of struggling with some of the elements of moving overseas and I was questioning myself as to was this the right choice. And looking back at that, it is the right choice, even if it's difficult, because you will learn something either, either way, whether, it's, whether your project goes well or you find the move hard. And it will be an invaluable experience either way. So don't be afraid of making the change. And and also don't be afraid of the change when it kind of sucks because it's still an important part of shaping you and actually showing you what you want out of your career. That's actually really nice to hear because we are, it's, you know, it's sort of the elephant in the room where we don't talk about when things aren't going so well. And it's a lot easier to talk about when projects are flourishing. So thanks for sort of addressing that. So thank you, Dr. Louise Organ, for your time again. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, thanks for joining us. Um, This was the first of our series, as I mentioned, on how migration shapes our research careers. And uh, we look forward to bringing another one soon. Thanks for your attention.